as we've been going through this sermon series on surrendering everything we have to Jesus so that we can experience his power, I have received a lot of questions that all start with the same word, how. How do I do that? How do I surrender my marriage, my grief, my worries, my career, my plans? What does that look like on a daily basis, practically speaking? In the story we just read that we also looked at it last week, the Apostle Paul has made all of these plans to go to what is modern-day Turkey. But he surrenders those plans when Jesus redirects him. After last week's sermon where I said that God only gives us one step at a time, not the whole 10-year plan, I had a couple of people ask, well, does that mean that we can't make plans? No, we can plan. We just need to be ready to surrender those plans the minute God says something different. But that raises the question, how do we know what God wants us to surrender and how to surrender it? How do we know what to do, practically speaking? And if you're anything like me, this is a hard question because a lot of times I have a hard time hearing from God. I I sometimes have an ADD prayer life. My mind wanders, I get sleepy, sometimes it doesn't feel like anything is happening. Yes, that's your pastor. (laughs) Sometimes it is hard to hear what God is saying. My mother-in-law buys us this brand of imported noodles, and it's really hard to understand the cooking directions because the translator obviously didn't know English very well for this particular brand. And the directions say this, put the noodle into the boiling water, add four minutes with strong fire, then turn to the mild. (laughs) Mingle the noodle tenderly. (laughs) Take the soft and plump noodle out, No matter being fried, socked, or mingled, it's so delicious and fit your flavor all the same. What? (laughs) What does that mean? A thesaurus gone mad, right? (laughs) Mingle the noodle tenderly. I have no idea how to tenderly mingle a noodle. Anyway, (laughs) does it sometimes, does God sometimes sound that way to you? A little bit garbled, not quite sure what he's saying. You know, what do you want to say to me, Lord? How are you going to direct my steps? Guide me in this decision or this thing, and you just can't hear it. Well, today I want to talk about how we can hear God speak. And this is the heart of surrender, because in order to surrender, we need God to tell us what to surrender and how to do it on a daily basis. And to me, this is the exciting part of surrender, that the God who made a billion galaxies or more, the God who ignited a trillion, trillion suns, that God loves you so much that he wants to talk to you. He wants to connect with you. He wants to talk with you. To me, that is just amazing. And over the last eight years, God has taught me a lot about how to hear his voice so that my prayer life is becoming less and less ADD. And I want to share some of that with you now. And just word of warning, this is going to be a very practical how-to kind of sermon, kind of nuts and bolts, how-to. It even has subpoints. So for those of you who love subpoints, this is your sermon. There are three things that we can do to put ourselves in a place where we can hear from God more readily. And all of them start with C. And the first is connect with Jesus. And I'm going to spend the most time on this point. Jesus wants to talk to us personally. And when the God of the universe talks to you directly, it is a rush. It is a thrill. And there are some things we can do to tune in to what he's saying. And here come the subpoints. First, we need to create time daily to connect with Jesus. Now, for some people, that means getting in a quiet place where they can be by themselves. Some people pray while they walk or while they run. 
I know a lot of young mothers who have to lock themselves in the bathroom if they want to pray. Just goes to show you, you can pray anywhere, right? Your lunch break, after work, we need to create time daily to connect to Jesus at least 10 to 20 minutes a day, at least, in order to read scripture and pray. And then when we do that, instead of assaulting Jesus with our list of non-negotiable demands, a.k.a. prayer requests, <laughs> right? Instead of doing that, why don't you, let's, let's picture Jesus in our minds. Focus our attention on him. Picture him in our heads and then say, Jesus, what do you want to say to me today? Because you see, that's very different than how I often pray, which is, Lord, do this, Lord, do that. And said, Jesus, what do you want to say to me today? He knows your needs. He'll speak to them. And then listen to him speak to you. And through the power of the Holy Spirit that connects us to him, he speaks to us in several different ways. Maybe not every day, maybe not every time, but he speaks through scripture. This is one of the primary ways that God talks to us. You know, a lot of times we say something like, well, I don't know exactly how to surrender my marriage or how to surrender my career or how to surrender my plans. A lot of that is in the Bible. A lot of the answers to our questions, how-tos, are in the Bible. For instance, the Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Help her to become everything she was created to be. Wives, return that love to your husbands. That's what it means to surrender your marriage. And wherever two people do that, it, is a, it has a 100% success rate. It has a 100% success rate. Whether it's career or kids or worries or plans or griefs, Scripture tells us a lot about how to surrender those and what God asks us to do. And not just by giving specific instructions, although it does that, but it also changes our worldview so that we no longer have our culture's worldview, but, we, but with God's worldview on things like money and time and what, what, what makes life worth living. God's worldview, not our culture's. God speaks through Scripture. So get a good Bible that will help you read it and understand it. I've suggested one in the, in the bulletin, in the, in the question section of the bulletin. You know, and, and, and don't try to read the whole thing. You'll get bogged down in Leviticus. You know, you'll get lost forever there. No one will ever find you again. <laughs> Genesis, the first half of Exodus and the New Testament, start there. And I think this is so important that, that, that starting next fall, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach through the whole Bible in 10 months, starting next fall. And if you're wondering how I'm going to cover the whole Bible in 10 months, if you think I talk fast now... We're just going to rip. <laughs> God speaks through Scripture. Another way that God speaks, and you've heard me talk about this before, is in thoughts that are different than our thoughts. Our youth pastor, Greg Milliken, describes it this way. He says, it's like thinking about the happy birthday song. Think about it in your head. You can almost hear it, right? Right? You can almost hear it. That's what God's voice is like Similar to that, only it moves much more quickly. It's lighter. I can't control it. It comes out of nowhere. Sometimes it's a sentence or a passage from Scripture. But it's thoughts so different than my thoughts that I know they're God. Another way he speaks is through pictures or images. This one is pretty rare for me, but for a lot of people, God speaks through pictures. Again, sort of think, of, think about your living room. You can almost picture it in your mind, right? That's how God gives us pictures. I told you this story a long time ago, but when I had first come here, there was this time early on where I was kind of overwhelmed by the new job, kind of feeling a lot of fear. And I was praying through that and reading the Bible as I do every day. And I suddenly got a series of clear pictures in my head. 
of wandering into University Presbyterian Church as a college student, hearing a man named Steve Hayner describe Jesus in ways I'd never heard before. And then next, I got a picture of me standing in a phone booth at Menlo Park Church, crying at one in the morning because I was going through an ugly divorce. And then another picture of preaching in that pulpit of that same church five years later. And then another picture of meeting my wife. And then another picture of some of your faces. One right after the other. It was like a near-death experience. It all happened in 10 seconds or less. And then I said out loud, okay, God, I get it. Across the long arc of my life, you have always been faithful, so I will trust you now. God spoke to me that time in pictures. Finally, another way that God speaks is through other people. As they give you godly biblical counsel, as they pray for you and listen to God on your behalf. Those are all ways that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, speaks to us. In fact, you have probably heard God's voice before, you just didn't know it was his. Which raises another question, right? Well, how can I be sure that what I've heard is God and not my imagination? How do I know that I've heard him right? I recently read a story about a school Christmas play where three six-year-old boys were playing the wise men. And the first boy came forward and said, I bring gold. And the second boy came forward and said, I bring myrrh. And the third boy came forward and said, Frank sent this. Didn't quite hear that right, did he? <laughs> it can be the same with prayer. How do I know that I heard God, and how do I know that I heard him right? Because folks say they've heard God for all kinds of crazy things, right? I told you a couple of weeks ago, oh, God, people will say to me, God told me to leave my spouse for this other person. No, he didn't. That's not in the Bible. Right? So how do we know it's from God? A couple of answers, quick answers. Check what you've heard against Scripture. Does it square with what Scripture says? Check with a couple of godly people who know the Bible and who know you very well. Ask God to confirm it somehow, either through hearing it again or events or circumstances. And then look for the fingerprints of Jesus. Does it sound like Jesus? When God speaks to us, it's often, almost always, contrary to conventional wisdom. It's often kind of quirky. Sometimes it even has a sense of humor to it. When we were doing the capital campaign, I remember talking about it with a group of people and in the middle of the discussion one of the women there just started to giggle and she said oh the Holy Spirit just talked to me she said I realize we've been praying about preparing our wills and we've been praying about how much to leave to the church but I just I just had this thought why not give it all to the church now then we can have the joy of watching what it does okay when Presbyterian women start to giggle during capital campaigns you know that's God <laughs> because God is sometimes quirky Bottom line, Jesus wants to get close to you. Eye to eye, face to face, nose to nose, side by side, close with you and close with me. And in order to know how to surrender and what to surrender, we need to connect with Jesus. Second thing we can do to hear from Jesus and to hear him guide us is we need to clean house of all the things that block us from hearing from God. Things like unforgiveness, God is all about grace and love, and where unforgiveness is, the Spirit of Jesus cannot abide. Unconfessed sin is a huge block to hearing from God. Now listen, sin does not block us from hearing God. Unconfessed sin does. Because as long as we don't confess it, we are believing, we are making agreements with the lie that we cannot be accepted because of this sin. If we didn't believe that, we'd confess it, right? We need to clean house of wounds from the past and lies that we've believed about ourselves. 
For instance, if you got the message growing up that you weren't lovable, you may have a very hard time experiencing God's love because you don't believe that you can be loved. That's a wound or a lie from the past. Or if you had a parent who was distant or absent physically or emotionally, that can shape how you see God. And you may see him as aloof or distant or cold. We need to clean house of the things through prayer that, 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 that block us from hearing from God. Clean house through prayer. Clean house through maybe some counseling. Our inner healing prayer ministry here led by Terry does fabulous stuff with this kind of thing. Earlier this year, I was praying for God to give me more confidence and to take away some of the insecurities I sometimes feel around leadership. And as I was praying, I asked God to reveal to me an, an experience or a person that might have contributed to this insecurity. And suddenly I got an image of a guy named Rick who, when I was in high school, went beyond just giving me a hard time. It was repeated public shaming. Everything from how I looked to how I dressed to how I talked, all kinds of stuff. Now, I hadn't thought about Rick in 29 years. But there he was, floating up from my subconscious. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again, right? <laughs> so I pictured standing at the foot of the cross with Rick, and I pictured holding all the ways that I have sinned against Rick for the past 29 years by holding out this bitterness against him. I mean, it was high school, right? I mean, I'm sure he's gotten over it, as I should have. So then I asked God to forgive me for the ways I'd sinned against Rick, and I asked God to forgive Rick, and then I wanted to pray that God would bless him, but I couldn't figure out what to bless him with. And then I had one of those thoughts that I knew was God, and, and I knew what to pray. So I prayed that God would bless Rick with what I thought Rick had stolen from me. Confidence, a sense of security, firm, solid sense of who he is. For me, it was a powerful moment. Because suddenly the anger just kind of disappeared and I felt Jesus right next to me. I felt his love. I felt his approval. I surrendered and I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, just like we've been talking about all fall. Because I'd cleaned house of at least that one particular issue. Plenty more where that came from, but that one's gone. You know, and this is an ongoing process, right? Because, I mean, for those of you who've ever cleaned a house, what happens the minute you get it clean? Your kids mess it up, right? This is an ongoing process. To hear God, we need to connect with Jesus, clean house of what blocks us from hearing him, and finally, cooperate with what he tells us to do. In the Bible, demonstrations of God's power are always, demonstrations of God's power are always preceded by some step of faith on our part. Moses divided the Red Sea, but first he had to stretch out his hand. David killed Goliath, but first he had to throw the stone. Peter walked on water, but first he had to get out of the boat. There's a clear pattern in Scripture. The Holy Spirit nudges us, then we step out in faith and act, and then God's power comes through. Nudge, step, power. Nudge, step, power. Nudge, step, power. If this were a men's retreat, this is the point where we'd go into the woods and beat tom-toms. Nudge, step, power. <laughs> Got it? Nudge, step, power. Last week, a woman from this church was in Starbucks, and she was surrendering that moment to God and saying, Lord, what are you doing here at Starbucks today? Can I help? And she felt the Holy Spirit nudge her to buy coffee for an elderly man behind her in line. Well, a few and she did. A few minutes later, this man found her and said, I, I know you bought my coffee, and I just want to say thank you. Well, later that night, she was telling her husband about this, and she started to cry. And first she didn't realize why, but, but then she said, you know, it just occurred to me that my dad can't say, can't say anything to me, let alone thank you, because he has Alzheimer's and he doesn't even recognize me anymore. 
And she said, but this man who's my father's age could speak in my dad's place. She surrendered that moment to God. She responded to his nudge and her heavenly father filled her up with his love through this elderly man who could stand in the place of her father and connect with her. Nudge, step, power. Connect with Jesus, clean house, cooperate with what he tells you to do. Now, what if we do all of that and we still can't hear God speaking? No sense of God's presence, no thoughts, no happy birthday song, nothing, you know. Don't worry about it and keep doing it. Because there are times, there have been times in my life when God has spoken dramatically to me. I can probably count them on two hands and two feet. There have been times when God has spoken dramatically to me, but most of the time he speaks to me in more ordinary ways. Something I read in the Bible or something someone says, a nudge, a, a nudge to do something small like the woman I just told you about at Starbucks. Connecting with God is often a long, steady walk in the same direction punctuated by moments of wow. You know, as I've told you before, it's not as if because I'm a pastor, I've got five bars on my cell phone connection to God. You know, it's not as if every time I pray, I glow with this holy aura. You know, and my wife says, hush, kids, daddy's about to levitate. <laughs> it's not how it is. The point is to keep putting yourself in a place where you could hear God speak if he chooses to do so. And over time, this has been years for me in developing, over time, you'll begin to hear God more and more and more as you learn to recognize his voice. Like a ball rolling down a hill, you'll pick up speed as you go. And if your mind wanders, let it. Sometimes I'll just let my mind wander and every once in a while I'll say to God, are you getting this, Lord? Because a wandering mind can be prayer too. Just keep at it. And over time, you will begin to hear him speak to you because he's real and he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. This is, this, this is real stuff. He's real. This is not some superstition. This is real. It really works. I told you a while back about a psychic in San Francisco, where else, who won a million-dollar lawsuit against her doctor because she said the CT scan he gave her ruined her ability to see the future. Okay, shouldn't she have seen that coming? <laughs> You're making me laugh. My own joke. <laughs> God's voice is much more reliable than that. All right? Let me give you an example of how the Holy Spirit guides us so that we know exactly what to surrender and how to surrender it. About 18 months ago, one of my best friends, I've known him for 25 years, name is Mike, was about to get laid off from his job. And he was worried about that and didn't know what his next move should be. So he surrendered that to Jesus, said, Jesus, I'm about to get laid off. Don't know what to do. Here's my career. Here's my future. I surrender. Show me what to do. Well, a little while later, he was praying and he got one of those thoughts that seemed like it might be God, but it, he wasn't sure. And it said, take the money your parents gave you for Christmas and go buy a sword. But not just any sword, a specific sword, a Scottish Claymore Sword. This is a weird story. Just bear with me. It has a point. And then he thought, well, there's no way. That cannot be God. Why would God want me to get a sword? Wouldn't he want me to give the money to the poor instead? That can't be God. No way. But day after day after day after day, every time he prayed, the thought just kept persisting. Go buy this sword. So finally he went and bought a sword at a store that sells such things. Still wondering why. I'll tell you why. Nine months later, Nine months later, he was at a conference about listening to God. 
And Chris Martinson, who's our modern worship director here, was also at that conference. And Chris didn't know Mike at all, but he knew that Mike and I were friends. And during a prayer time, Chris went up to Mike and said, I was praying about something else, but I think God just gave me something to tell you. As I prayed, I saw you holding a sword. But it was a particular kind of sword, Scottish Claymore sword. Don't know if you've heard of it. At this point, Mike pretty much freaked out. Because, right, I mean, he hadn't told anyone about this sword thing. There was absolutely no way. There was absolutely no way that Chris could have known that. Well, then the next day at this same conference, a woman walks up to Mike and said, I was praying about something else. And then I heard God say that he was going to use you as a sword. But then she made it more specific. A sword to defend the poor and the oppressed and the powerless. Well, Mike left that conference totally confused as to why God had this fixation on medieval armaments (laughs) and just kind of left it there. Several months later, Mike saw an advertisement for a Christian ministry called Tierra Nuevo in Bellingham that was started by a guy who grew up in this church, actually, that helps poor people rise out of their oppression. And they were looking, they had a job opening. Mike applied. And he now has a job as a chaplain to immigrant and poor families. He is their sword defending them. A job he never would have considered, never would have entered his mind had it not been for this whole sword thing. You know, and that experience gave him a whole new vision for his life. Now, I suppose you could say that was all just a coincidence because, you know, strangers are always walking up to people and saying, I see you as a Scottish Claymore sword. I mean, it happened to me just the other day at Bellevue Square, right? I mean, I know that story raises all kinds of questions. Why would God do it that way? Why so complicated? I don't know. I'm just a pastor. God just works differently than we think he should work. And, you know, it was pretty clear. God was making it pretty clear through all of that. What I really know is this, though, that over a period of 18 months, the Holy Spirit guided Mike and showed him how and what to surrender. Mike surrendered his career. Mike surrendered his comfort because the new job is not easy. And Mike knew how to surrender and what to surrender because Jesus told him. And the way he heard that was he spent time to connect with Jesus. And at that conference, he'd cleaned house of some stuff that was blocking him from hearing God's voice. And he cooperated with the nudges that God gave him. And he experienced the power of God. I mean, when Chris came up to Mike and said, I see you as a Scottish Claymore sword, Mike just about fainted. Because he realized that the God who had made a trillion, trillion galaxies had just spoken to him very personally. So what do you need to surrender? God loves you and he wants to talk to you. What do you need to surrender? Is it some grief? Your plans, your fears, your worries, your money, your time, your marriage? And how do you surrender? Do you know? Jesus has got to tell you. And maybe you don't even know what you need to surrender. Jesus has got to tell you that too. So this week, will you connect with him? Start with just maybe 10 minutes a day to pray and read the Bible. Clean house of what blocks you from hearing him and cooperate with those nudges that he gives you and he will show you how and what to surrender and you will experience his power. It may not be as dramatic as Mike's experience. It may be more normal like the woman I told you about at Starbucks. But the bottom line is still the same. He loves you. He loves you. He wants a personal relationship with you. He wants to talk to you. And when he does, we will never be the same again.